0: Good morning, everybody. Great to see you in the house uh, today. And uh, again, I want to say a big thank you to Cameron for teaching while I was out a couple of weeks. Can we uh, give Cameron a big thank you? Thank you, Cam, We're doing a great job. All right, I want to start off with a, a true story. 490 BC, uh, the Persians were in a mortal conflict with the Greeks. The Persians were led by Darius the Great. And uh, it wasn't really clear who was going to win this battle, but as the battle moved on, moved forward, the Greeks were having the upper hand and they sent a runner named Philippides to run all the way to Athens to declare uh, a a special message. And so he ran and ran and ran and the story is told. He ran as hard as he could, as long as he could. He never stopped. And when he When he burst into the Senate chambers in Athens, he declared his message, we have won, and then he died, okay? Now, the place that he ran from was a city called Marathon. And so from that point forward, crazy people have tried to reenact this run called running a marathon. So hands up if you've run a marathon in here before. Okay, look around. These are all the crazy people that stare death in the face. All right. I remember he died after he ran that race. Remember that, right? I can remember I, I, I've run one marathon. I've run a half. Half's a whole lot more fun than, than a full. All right, I'll just go ahead and tell you that. But I can remember years ago running one of these and, and I... I man, that, that race is like seared in my mind. It was one of the most amazing slash agonizing experiences of my life. But as I reflect back on it, there were some stages that I kind of went through. The first stage I went through was what I would call the conquering stage. I'm like, I'm totally going to conquer this race. I've been training. I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. Let's get it on. And so the band is playing and everyone's cheering and and you're psyched up. And I can remember the first couple of miles, man, I'm just, I'm feeling good. I'm dancing. I'm high-fiving everybody. Even sometimes I turn around and run backwards. Woo! Yeah, I'm feeling good. I got this down. I mean, I'm feeling so good and everything's just going my way, right? And that was, you know, for the first maybe five, eight, ten miles. I mean, somewhere around there, I, I was feeling really good. And then I remember when that feeling stopped, Okay. And I knew then that I had entered into the next phase of the race, which I will call the endurance phase of the race, where you're just grinding it out. I mean, the band's gone. They're packed up. You know, there's no more cheering. There's no more people on the runway, uh, the raceway. I mean, you're just, you're just grinding it out. And you start having thoughts like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself through this? You're never going to make it. You might as well just quit. In fact, a lot of people drop out in this phase because it's just so hard to keep moving forward. But if you can stick it out, then you go into this this last phase, which I guess I'll just call the finishing phase of the race. And that's when you start to see more people gathering again. You start to hear the band again. And people start saying, hey, you're almost there. You can do it just two miles to go, just one mile to go. It's just right around the corner. You've done it. You've got this. You can make it. And you start to go, okay, well, maybe, maybe I can make it and maybe I can survive. And so you just, you just grind it out until you cross that line and then you collapse, you know, because you've actually finished the race. Well, let me just say this. Your faith journey is really a faith run. Okay? And you're going to go through these similar phases in your walk with God. And that's what we're looking at today. So, once you get your Bible, I want you to open it up with me to Hebrews chapter 11. And we are wrapping up our series called Leap of Faith. We've been studying these great people of faith in. In the chapter of Hebrews, chapter eleven, if First Corinthians thirteen is a love chapter, Hebrews eleven is a faith chapter, and we've looked at a description of faith, and we looked at great examples all through the summer of people of great faith, uh, but now he comes to the the. Uh, the conclusion of his talk. And really, the whole chapter is driving to something. If this was a movie, it's driving, it's building to the final conflict. If this was a song, it'd be swelling uh, to this high point in the song. And in this chapter, he's been weaving us through all these storylines to get to a point. He's trying to make a point. He's driving to a point. And we're going to see that point Uh, today in these few verses. And so let me just tell you what the point is so you don't miss it, okay? All that he said, uh, that he has said up to this point, could be culminated in three words. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Remember, he's writing to Christians that were enduring persecution and some of them were waffling and he's telling them all these, all these stories of the Old Testament, all these people of great faith. So he would drive home the point, don't quit, don't give up, don't throw in the towel, you keep the faith, okay? And so let's look at these three phases uh, as, as he's unpacking it here. So the first, first phase is what we call conquering faith, and we see this in chapter 11, verse 32. So if you're with me, let's look at that together. This is the word of God. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, Obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the raising fire, uh, escaped the edge of the sword, uh, gained strength in weakness, became mighty in battle, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead, raised to life again. Now stop right there for just a minute. He, he's talking about people that conquered right? That's what all these have in common. He, he starts off and he goes, you know, time can't permit, you know, I don't have time to get to all these other people. I feel that every single Sunday, right? In every sermon, right? I wish I had more time, right? You're probably going, I wish you would shut down sooner. But anyway, uh, uh, he goes, what, what time? I'm running out of time here to tell you all about these other guys. And he starts listing them off. The first four of these come from the book of Judges. He said, man, if I had more time, I could tell you about Gideon. Remember Gideon? And Judges chapter six, get, when, when the curtain opens up on Gideon's story, he is the lowest of his tribe, and his tribe is the lowest of all the 12 tribes, and, and he's afraid of the Midianites, And God uses Gideon, this small little guy, this most insignificant guy, to lead an army of 300 to defeat 135,000 Midianites. And it is is a colossal victory and, and it's something that only God could do. And then he talks about Barak. Barak's in Judges chapter four and five. Same kind of story. They're fighting against uh, a Canaanite army. And there's a guy named Sisera who's the leader of that Canaanite army. And and, and only God can resist him. And and it, it's such a quirky ending how Sisera runs and he hides in a tent. And I'm not gonna finish the story. You look it up uh, for yourself, but I'll just tell you it has something to do with a tent peg. Anyway, uh, you, look it up. Uh only God could could deliver his people through a guy like Barak. And then he, then he goes and talks about Samson. Of course, he's probably the one that you have heard of the most. Samson, God gave him supernatural strength to defeat the Philistines. And so you see him... Uh, in, Just doing incredible things, supernatural things, and God using him in that way. And and listen, Samson was a weird character. Let's just face it, all right? There were some times he was kind of a knucklehead and and wasn't always a great decision maker. But even in his last act, uh, God filled him with the Spirit to bring down the temple of Dagon. Uh, God used him in a supernatural way. Way. And Jephthah, Jephthah only gets a couple of verses in the Old Testament. But again, God uses him to defeat the Ammonites. Uh, it, the point here is this. All these guys, God gave them faith and God conquered and did what only God could do. They conquered their enemies. God moved in a supernatural way. They saw miracles happen. It was never about them. It was always about what God was doing through them. Then he moves on in to talk about David, and we could talk a lot about David. This is, of course, King David, but the one who slayed Goliath with just a slingshot. And he talks about Samuel. Samuel was one of the greatest prophets. We did a whole series on Samuel a while back, that how he stood for truth in a time of corruption. And then he kind of gets, just he just says, and the prophets, all right? He just kind of sweeps half uh, the Old Testament with that word, and the prophets. He doesn't even mention Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. He could go through all of them. Or what about those minor prophets like Amos and Joel and Zephaniah who stood against these godless kings and stood for truth? Every one of them had this in common. They saw God do miracles and conquer in the face of utter defeat. They possessed a conquering faith. Now, listen, sometimes you get to experience conquering faith. Somebody say amen to that. You get to, you get to experience conquering faith. You get to see God do some amazing things. A lot of times this happens early in our Christian walk, right? You've just gotten saved. Your eyes are open. Every time you open the Bible, you're like, wow, wow wow I mean it's just like you're just putting pieces together that you knew even existed and God's speaking to you every sermon you're listening to it multiple times when worship happens you are you're just worshiping God you're you're seeing God move uh, in answered prayer you're seeing God use you as you share your faith and you're seeing family members come to Christ and friends come to Christ and it's a thrilling exhilarating time in your spiritual walk with God and it's just a high point almost every Sunday is a a high point. A lot of you kind of start off your Christian walk like that. And, and sometimes through our journey, we go through seasons of conquering faith, where you really see miracles happen. People ask me, Craig, do miracles happen? Yes, they absolutely do. Sometimes you see the cancer disappear. Sometimes you pray, and that marriage really does Reconcile. Sometimes that wayward child finally comes back after years of praying for them. Sometimes you, you get a check in the mail that you didn't know was coming and it meets exactly the bill that you owe. And you're like, God, only you could do this. And I could probably put a mic right here and we could spend the rest of the afternoon just lined up telling story after story after story in this church of how God has conquered in your life and how God has moved in supernatural way. Hands up if you've had that testimony, just, just to praise God, God's moved like that in your life. Yeah, every one of us could tell this story. Listen, when, when, when we are in a season of conquering faith, the only thing that we can do is just praise God for it. Right? Every single one of these guys, when they saw God move, they just praise God. God, only you can do this. God, this is all you. God, you are the one that conquers my enemies. God, you're the one that goes before us. And it's just an opportunity to praise God. We don't just sing songs uh, before the preaching so that you'll just kind of get ready for the preaching. All right, we worship God because he's worthy of worship. And as we worship him, we acknowledge him as the giver of every good gift and the one who conquers every enemy, right? And that's why we declare and we worship God. I think about David. You know, most of the Psalms are are David simply worshiping God for all that he's done. For example, Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he's done for me. Let me ask you something. Has God done something good for you? Come on. Has God done something good for you? Somebody say amen to that. Yeah, God's done some good things in your life. Then you got something to praise him for, don't you? You, you? You're not coming empty-handed. You got something to offer to the Lord in praise and thanksgiving because God's been so, so good to you. So yeah, there, there are seasons in life when we go through this conquering faith. We see God do amazing things. Praise God for that. It's a time to worship him. But listen, we don't always stay in that phase of conquering faith. Some people like to say, oh man, I just want to keep that all my Christian life. But unfortunately, we don't always stay in that phase. Sometimes we have to move to the next phase in our journey. And that is what I would call not conquering faith, but enduring faith enduring faith, and this is really what he talks about in verse 35. Up to verse 35, he's talking about all these great wins, right? All these people that did great things, God did great things through them, and, and, and all these miracles, sending armies to flight, and receiving back your dead, and, and not being quenched by fire, and all these great stories, and all these great victories, but then look at verse 35, you see the phrase, other people, or some verse, look at your Bible, it may say, but others. It's in the middle of verse 35. You see it? You might wanna put a box around that because that pivots you to a different group of people. And these are people that did not see miracles happen. They did not see their enemies conquered. They didn't see God do incredible supernatural things. In fact, they didn't see that at all. They had to endure great trial and great difficulty. He said, but other people, what did they have to endure? Well, look at it. First, they had to endure imprisonment. Look, other people were tortured, not accepting release so they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings as as well as bonds and imprisonment. These people were imprisoned for their faith because they loved God and they suffered. That word torture there literally comes from the word to be stretched out. It means to be put on a rack and stretched and then beaten or stretched over a wheel or stretched over a barrel and beaten. He said these people were, were tortured simply because they loved Jesus. And they endured prisonment for that very reason. Look at verse 37. They also were killed. Look at it, it says, they were stoned and they were sawed in two and they died by the sword. Some of these early Christians, they loved God and they died because of their faith in God. You know, when I when I think of that I think about Stephen, the early church martyr who because of his faith in Jesus was stoned to death and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father welcoming him into heaven. I think about Isaiah, most historians agree that Isaiah was probably one reference there when it says he was sawed in two. He was cut in half because of his faithfulness to God. Think about that. Others not only were in prison, they weren't killed, but they were just, they were rejected. Look at what it says, middle of verse 37. They wandered about in sheepskin and in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. I mean, these people, because of their faith in Jesus, they lost their families. They lost their jobs. They lost their homes. I mean, they had nothing. And, and it, it really jumps out, the phrase, the world was not worthy of them. I mean, what a turn, right? The world thought they weren't worthy. The world thought they were a pariah. The world thought they were the ones that were the problem, that they needed to be persecuted. They needed to be rubbed out. Uh, but from God's eyes, the world wasn't worthy of these precious saints that endured such hardship and were so faithful. Listen, when they were in prison, they didn't give up. They didn't reject the faith. When they were put to the death and they faced death, they didn't give up. They didn't reject the faith. When they, were, when they lost everything, they didn't give up and they didn't quit on God. And so he's reminding them of all these people who endured hardship and endured all of this. By the way, this happens still today. The organization Open Doors puts out a an article called The World Watch List every year. Last year, they put out this kind of condition of Christianity around the world. And they gave this statistic. Every day, 13 Christians are martyred for their faith. Every day, 12 churches are attacked and and burned to the ground. Every day, they reported 13 Christians are imprisoned for their faith. Every day, five Christians are abducted because of their faith. That means today that will happen. So before you read these words and think, okay, that's all kind of Old Testament in the past. No, that's happening right here and it's happening right now. The president named David Curry, he said this, quote, you might think this is a list about oppression But this is a list really about resilience, that these Christians continue to keep the faith even in the worst of circumstances. You know, a lot of people, they like Hebrews 11 up to verse 35, all right? We love Hebrews 11 right up to 35. In fact, you'll see a lot of people, they'll kind of stop right there in 35. You're like, man, we love the conquering. Woo, God's gonna get it. You're gonna get it. But they don't like to talk about the endurance part. In fact, there's a whole teaching that was popularized after World War II called uh, Prosperity Gospel, which you really no gospel at all. And it basically says hey, uh, God wants you to experience temporal prosperity. And so if you really have faith, then you're going to have the promotion, you're going to have bonus, uh, you're going to excel, you're going to marry a good-looking girl or a good-looking guy, your kids are going to be on the dean list, everything's going to go great for you. And by the way, if you're not experiencing those things, well, you just don't have enough faith right? And if you had more faith, then you'd get healed. And if you had more faith, you'd get promoted. And if you had more faith, you wouldn't have these problems. And, and all these bad things are happening because of your lack of faith. And listen, you cannot read Hebrews 11 and square that up with scripture. Because these people were not being promoted. These people were not being elevated. These people were the opposite of that. They were in prison, they were being persecuted, they were rejected, and yet in verse 39, it says they were commended for their faith. God didn't give them a conquering faith, God gave them a faith that endures. This is what James talks about in chapter one, when he said, consider great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because listen, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. In other words, you've gotta run through the endurance phase for you to be mature. The the endurance has gotta do its work in your life. There's some things you learn in the endurance part of the run that you don't learn anywhere else. There's some things that you, you say like what? Well, you will learn some things like God is with you no matter what. When everyone abandons you, he will never abandon you. You know that experientially when you walk through that season of endurance. You learn that God's promises are true and you can really stand on them and you begin to see how the scripture comes alive to you and really means something to you when you're desperate for hope in those seasons of endurance. You also learn this, check this out. You learn that this world really has nothing for you. In fact, if you look at verse 13, the same chapter, it says, these all died in faith. They were foreigners and temporary residents on earth. What does that mean? That means that they they realized in their enduring of suffering that this world was just a temporary spot, that this world really has nothing for them, that their heart was looking to a heavenly home, a heavenly dwelling, a heavenly homeland they had never been before. And here's what I know. When I've watched, as a pastor, I've watched many of you go through really difficult seasons of endurance and those that endure it in faith, you you see the grip of this world come off of them. And God gives them this homesickness for heaven and this longing for heaven. Heaven means something now because this world really has nothing for me. What I really long for and really what I hope for is in heaven listen we have to go through this enduring season and this is how you learn to be more like Jesus by the way how how in the world can you learn to be more like Christ if you're preaching that you're going to get prosperity all the time when Jesus is the one who suffered more than anyone doesn't even make sense If we're gonna be like Christ, then we're gonna walk through very similar seasons of endurance. And that's how we're shaped into the likeness of Christ. And listen, I really believe it takes greater faith to to endure the hardship than it does to enjoy the blessing. I think it's greater faith to endure the hardship than to enjoy the blessing. And some of you have been there. In fact, some of you are there right now. Listen, let's just be real honest. Some of you, you're in the season of endurance. You're in a season of endurance. Maybe you've had seasons of conquering faith. Praise God for that. Worship him. But maybe you're in a season of enduring faith and you're just holding on and you're just putting one foot in front of the other. And I think that's the whole message here is just don't quit. Just don't quit. Look at, look at verse 39. He says, all these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. When he says something better for us, he's not saying, well, we're not gonna suffer because we obviously know that we do. And Christians do even now. So what does he mean? What he means is this, that the Old Testament saints were promised, the promise is always about the Messiah, that they were promised the Messiah was coming, but they didn't know how he was gonna come. They looked forward to it, they longed for it, they anticipated it, they embraced it from a distance, but they didn't know his name. But what is better for us is that we know his name. We know his name is Jesus. And while they were saved by looking forward to the promise fulfillment, we are saved by looking back on what Christ has done. And we get to look back at the cross and we get to look back at the empty, empty tomb. And so we have seen what God has done. And so it is so much better for us, right? Because we know whom we have believed. And so those who look forward and those who look back are really saved all together. All together. So listen, there are different phases in your faith journey, all right? There's a conquering phase. Praise God when you're in that phase, all right? It's a blessing. There is an enduring phase where you just have to trust God in the enduring. But then there is, uh, I guess in conclusion here, a, a, a finishing faith. And, and we don't find that till chapter 12. It's unfortunate there's a chapter break here. You know, uh, the writer here doesn't put the chapter breaks. In fact, they, they kind of cut this off because this is the climax of the whole thing is, is in chapter 12, verse 1. So check it out, chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, therefore, based on the whole thing that we've just said in chapter 11 about walking by faith and and keeping the faith, therefore, he says, since we have also been, uh, have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Now, listen, he's, he's drawing out a picture of an Olympic runner, a marathon runner, and he's running now in the stadium for that last final lap. And, and people in the stands are standing, and they're cheering, and they're celebrating this runner as he nears, his, the, nears the finish line. This is the finishing part of our faith. And, and what I think is really cool is you said we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Who are these great cloud of witnesses? are well, all the people he talked about in chapter 11 right every single one of them they ran their race, their race is over and now it says they are witnesses and check this out this is this is I love this he said in one says they are witnessing you running your race right you're running they're watching you run their ra- run your race but in another way they are witnessing to you. they are speaking to you. they're saying hey, Keep going. Keep running. God is faithful, man. I've been there. I know where you're at. But just keep going. God is faithful. His word is true. God's going to come through. You keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep running. And and every time we open up the pages, we hear their voices speaking to us. Don't quit. Keep going. They're speaking to you. They're talking to you right now. Through the Spirit of God, they are talking to you. Keep the faith. You say, Well, how do I do that? How do I? You don't understand, Craig, what I'm going through. You don't understand what I'm dealing with. How do, I, how do I keep the faith like this? Well, he, he tells you, look, look at verse 12, uh, verse 1 again. He said, Put away what hinders you. That's a good place to start. Hey, let me ask you, what's hindering you from walking with God? For some of you, he he mentions here secret sin and there may be some area of sin and disobedience in your life and that's just stunted. You're stopped. You you stopped the race because you've allowed some area of sin into your life and you got to get that out so you can keep moving again. But listen to me. For some of you, it's not a sin. It's just stuff. I mean, if I ask you, hey, what's keeping you from really serving God at a higher level? You go, oh, man, I was just so busy or I've got this, th- these things on the weekends, or you know I've got, I've got these ball games, or I've got this deal, or I've got that deal, and I, you know, I've got all this stuff, and, and you know what that's doing? That's hindering you from running the race. When are you gonna make a decision what's most important? And so he said, you gotta get those things out of your life that are hindering you running the race, and then secondly, he said, you just gotta run it with Endurance. The, the race marked out for you. The one thing that I knew when I ran the marathon is I couldn't, like, go, you know, I really don't want to run that route. I'm just going to cut through the middle, all right? I'm just going to cut through the middle and then just kind of come around. Yeah, I'm, I, I didn't have the option. I, did, I had to run the race as it was marked out for me. And God's got a race marked out for you, He's got a plan and a purpose for you. Run the race. Run after the, listen to me, listen to me now. Run after the things that please God. Run after the things that, that make a difference for eternity. Run after the things that really matter after you're dead and gone. Man, don't, don't give yourself, give your best self to entertainment. Don't give your best self to a game. Don't give your best self to your job. Give your best self to the things of God. No one's ever going to stand before Jesus and say, I wish I had played more pickleball, all right? Nobody's going to say that. What they're going to say is, I wish I had taken the time I was playing pickleball and I was investing my life in somebody that's going to make a difference. Are you hearing my heart today? Are you hearing me? And run the race that pleases God. Run the race that matters for eternity. What in the world are you doing that shapes eternity? He said, so you got to get rid of the things that hinder you. you got to run your race. And then he said, verse 2, just look at it. Verse 2, check this out. He said, keep your eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy lay before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he has done. It's all about what he's calling you to. At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. Don't worry about what he's doing. Don't worry about what she's doing. Don't worry about why he's not doing what you are or what he's not doing what you are. Just you keep your eyes on Jesus and you keep running your race. And you do it till you finish. 1965, um, Olympic Games was in Mexico City. And uh, the city was just packed with people, athletes and observers that were there for the Olympic Games. And of course, the marathon is one of the Olympic events. And there was a man named Joseph Akwari from Tanzania who had trained for this race. And he really kind of came into the race highly ranked and favored uh, to win a medal. As the gun went off and the race began at the beginning, uh, he already recognized that there were some problems. He started cramping up. They thought maybe it had to do with elevation problems. Whatever the case, he knew that this this was going to be a hard race to run, but he had no idea what he was about to encounter when the unthinkable happened. Then in the early part of the race, he collided with another runner. They went both plummeting to the ground and he hit his knee first and then his shoulder, dislocated his knee and really messed up his shoulder. Of course, the medics rushed to him and, and treated him. But once they kind of got him bandaged up, he, he got up and he said, I gotta, gotta keep running. And he did. He kept running in the incredible pain. He just kept running. His race. An hour after the winner had crossed the line, Aquari entered into the arena. And he was obviously limping from his injuries. His leg still had the bandages falling off from where the medics had treated him as he rounded the corner. And when people saw him and his great endurance, the whole crowd stood up and began to cheer and applaud this man who would not quit. And he put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, until it finally, and then at last, he came across the finish line. And when he crossed the finish line, of course, lots of people gathered around him to care for him, but reporters came to him and they asked him, he said, Akwari, why in the world did you keep running? You could have just stepped out. Nobody would have blamed you. Why did you keep running? And listen to these words. This is what he said. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. My friends, listen. Jesus didn't come from heaven to earth just so you would start the race. He came. He rose from the dead. he He drew you to salvation. And he filled you with his Holy Spirit. Not just so you would start the race and then peter out at the end but he did it so that you would finish the race, that you would not quit, that you would keep the faith. The apostle Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And and listen, those need to be the words on your lips when you draw your last breath. So keep the faith. No matter what you're facing today, and I don't know, but God knows. Whatever low point you're in today, keep the faith. Whatever doubt you're facing today, keep the faith. Whatever tragedies you're facing or a hardship you're enduring, no matter what it is, hey, keep the faith. Keep moving forward. Keep trusting God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Run your race. Finish it well. And you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. I you bow your heads with me for just a minute. You may be here today and you are in a season of conquering faith. God has done good things in your life. A season's a blessing. Then praise him for it today. Maybe you're in a season of endurance and hardship. And everything in you wants to quit. And keep trusting him. Keep moving forward. Maybe you're not even in the race. Maybe you're here today and you've never really given your life to Christ. I mean, you believe the Bible, you, you believe there's a God, but you've never truly had a moment in time when you asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of for your sin. Then I want to give you that opportunity right now The Bible tells us that we've sinned against God. We've gone our own way. We've lost our way. And we deserve judgment for our sin. But Jesus, in his great love for us, came to us. And he showed us the Father. And then he went to a cross. And on the cross, all your sin was put on the back of innocent Jesus. And he died in your place because he loves you. Three days later, he rose again from the tomb. And he He offers new life to anyone who will turn to him in saving faith. And maybe today is the day. Maybe right now the Holy Spirit's convicting you. You know what? You've never given your life to Christ. You don't know for sure if you died, you go to heaven. You you don't have really a relationship with God. He's never really changed your life. Then that can be today. This is your day to say yes to Jesus. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you just to lift up your hand. I'm not going to call you out in any way, but I'll see your hand. And even that lifting of the hand is an act of faith to say, Lord, I need help. Lord, I need you. And when I see your hand, that will be you saying, I need Christ in my life, and and I'll just lead you in a prayer right where you're seated to receive Christ. So if you're here today and the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart and you need Jesus in your life right now, then right now, just lift up your hand and I'll see it. Pastor, pray for me, okay? Thank you, thank you. Any other hands? Thank you, thank you. All right. anybody else lift up your hand right now right now God's moving in your heart don't fight him say Lord I need you in my life right now anybody else lift up your hand I need Jesus in my life all right okay all right Last last opportunity okay all right thank you just put your hand down where you are just pray the simple prayer with me dear Lord I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. But I believe you died on a cross for me. I believe you rose again from the dead. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please wash me clean. Today I choose to turn from my sin And and to follow you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Just with your heads bowed, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And if you did not receive the Lord's Supper elements coming in, if you just lift up your hand and hold it up where we can get it to you, we have some men here. They're going to move quickly to bring it to you. Just with your heads bowed, just seek the Lord in the season that you're in. Ask Him to help you be faithful, to empower you. We have some down here in the front guys as well. Jesus' betrayal, trial, and ultimate death. He met with his disciples in an upper room. If you'll take that bread out, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, as often as you eat this bread, you remember my sacrifice for you, my deep love for you. And today, as often as we eat this bread, we remember the love of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus for us. Seated together. He then took the cup. This is a cup of blessing, a cup of redemption. And he said, This cup reminds you of my blood that washes you clean. Hebrews 12 says that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith. And as we take this cup, we say, Lord Jesus, our eyes are on you. Our hope is in you. We're trusting you. Let's take it together. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today. God, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, I pray that as we run our race, we'd run it with great faith, that we keep the faith, Lord, to the very end. Lord, help us to know what, distracts us help us God to know what's holding us back Lord keep our eyes on you this week as we run our race that we'd run it for your pleasure and your glory and Lord help us to trust you in the race marked out for us that you're more than able to help us and to care for us and to bring us to the end Lord our hope is in you Our eyes are on you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.